Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away. I am Drew Vanderpool, joined once again, as always, by my good friend Cody Welton. Hello there. Hello there, sir. We're back for another week. Um, I'm I'm a little worried that this podcast is going to get a little boring because the club doesn't the 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 play on the field doesn't seem to be uh, adjusting that so there's not much for us to to evaluate we've spent the last couple of weeks you know really talking about how we believe that there's opportunities for other players to get into certain positions i.e. the ones covered by Roger Espinosa and Kyrie Shelton and the coach does not believe that to be true so we got ourselves another full dosage of Kyrie Shelton and an almost full dosage of Roger Espinosa um and it resulted in a 2-2 draw um and to be fair sporting probably deserved better than a 2-2 draw yeah, they the they game. created some good chances that that were un uh, um, unfulfilled correct they were not necessarily created by the two players that we talked about at the hit here, but they were created by the team. Um, and so I, I will get into that part of it in a little bit. I don't want to belabor that same point over and over again, because I think the reality of the situation is we're going to see a lot of Raj and Kyrie over the next month. Um, it's just, it's very clear that Peter trusts both of those players quite a bit. He made comments at the end of the game when even he had to sub on, uh, Chinese for Roger because he looked like he was had some sort of hamstring injury that he wished he could have kept Roger on because he felt that his veteran presence would have allowed them to press harder for the, the winning goal, which I mean, okay, I don't consider Roger a person that's going to find us a winning goal at the end of a game, but I will also agree with Peter in the fact that the offense sort of sputtered out after he came off. So you know, I, I I didn't see him creating much to build that pressure, but I will agree with him that the offense was a little disconnected when Chinese came on. And I think part of it is because Chinese is so different than literally any other player in the club. And it's going to, you know, 10 minute cameos are a hard way for him to build familiarity with other yeah, players. So it's, 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 it's a 10 minute cameo that's accompanied by a complete um, uh, formation change. Um, and, and, you know, not not only is it. I mean, I think it it's a little bit unfair to uh, to Chonies to kind of put him out there and expect him to just kind of uh, work magic. But I mean, he's a good player, and you know, he has he has some moments, not enough of them, and and um, and not moments that have an end product. Uh, I, I like for me, like I'm more worried about what happens. Um, you know, after or if we ever, you know, sort of get um, you know someone like. Um, um, Polito back. Um, you know what does that do to Chonis? Is this? I mean, I mean, is he going to be a, a, a wide player? Is he going to stay as a you know as a midfielder? Um, because right now he's he's playing a role that um, that's not a, a standard Peter Vermes role, and so I'm a little I'm a little concerned about you know where where that might head. What would you even consider his role to be? I mean, they they kind of go to an inverted mid inverted triangle and they go to a four two three one, yeah. but so, it's he, he's not in a ten. He's all over the place. No. Yeah, so he's like he's he's like I don't know. You could call him a free ten, or a, I mean, he's kind of a almost a second forward a little bit, but he's kind of he's playing a little more out um, out beyond the box. Uh, you know, I think his I think his job is just to find space and uh, and and dribble at people. Which hooray! But I mean, I think that um, 
I think that there needs to be a little bit more of a, uh, a systematic way to use him. I, I, uh, I kind of, you know, tongue in cheek referred to him as, uh, as the, the Cypriot, um, Jack Grealish, you know, just cause he's just, yeah. he gets the ball out of the wing and he just dribbles, dribbles, dribbles. And, uh, that's great, but we need, you know, I, it's, it's, it's just to this point, it's hard to see how that becomes an end product. And you can see even Pep Guardiola can't figure out how to get right. into his system. And if, yeah. you know, I mean, you talk about a guy that can find a place for anybody that that has quality. Um, yeah. I mean, Grealish doesn't play very much for City right now. And, um, you know, their result today, not uh, against Real Madrid, mm-hmm. notwithstanding, he, he, he seemed, they seemed to struggle to find a place for him. I think that um, Chanice... Yeah, I don't even. You couldn't even call him a roundoiter because he's like, if you think of like the you know the guy who sort of coined the phrase Thomas Muller, he's not. He's he does roam around the edges of the box, mm-hmm. but he's not dribbling guys from there. He's usually making yeah. runs to get to the ball, and then he knows how to deliver a pass at that point if he can, or he runs into the right place to take a shot. Like it, it, it's more of a, it is more of a second forward that just has the ability to roam anywhere. Um, yeah. So that that's what, that's what I would kind of do. He's not, you know, unfortunately at this point, he's not a, a creative enough passer to be really considered, I think a, a, an actual number 10. Um, and so, so yeah, he's just, like I said, find space and dribble at people. And I think that that's why you would probably see his traditional role. Like when he was, you know, in Cyprus, he was playing on the wing for the most part. I think he played a lot on the right when he was in Cyprus. Um, But I think he can play either wing position. And um, if he plays on the left and you have two wingers like that, when you have, if you have him on with, with Russell, you can, you know, create problems for defense that way. Um, But also having someone who, has fresh legs who can drive at a defender that way. I think it has positives too, but I think too often you found him occupying the same space as the wingers. And that's usually, you know, shallow is doing the best he can to find a run off of him. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I don't believe he possesses the, the passing skills in order to release players. He's done it a couple times, but he's yeah. missed as much more than he's, than he's made. And none of the stuff, while fun to watch, has created a chance of any kind yeah. of significance. So I think that maybe there was a shot shot we got last last week off of one of them. But yeah, I mean, these 10-minute cameos are not ways for them to build that familiarity. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen if anybody comes back. The one, the one piece of news that you know, happened since our last podcast, but everyone in the Sporting KC you know, sphere knows, is Gaudikinda is out for the year now. Um, they actually put him on the season ending injury list, so they can technically get a, a replacement player and 250k a cap relief for him. But I think that has to be done by the end of this window, which is today. I don't think they can do it after in the secondary window. I don't think you get the cap relief at that point. So, um, yeah, I don't think anything's going to occur there. I, I think they just did it to get the international spot back. Um, Peter did say at that time that they've been diligent enough with their cap and their spending that they do have the ability to bring in players. But the reality is they, you know, best case scenario, once we find out what Johnny Russell's contract is, you could potentially buy him down and then maybe add a DP. 
but then you've got to, you know, that's got to be a long-term thing if you're going to try and do that. Um, I just don't see them bringing a DP type player in and especially one to replace one of their two DPs, right? Like you wouldn't want two of them in the same position. So even if you were to let's, for example, let's spitball this and say best case scenario, they've got enough allocation money to buy down Johnny Russell's cap charge and get them a cap compliant and add another DP, which I think they could do based on some of the spreadsheet math I've done. It would be on the edge, but I think they could do it. Where would you put that person? I mean, honestly, you know, I, I know that they almost certainly wouldn't do this, but I would be ecstatic if they burned a DP on number six, honestly. I mean, uh, as, as long as, as, you know, as important as that role is in the team and as, um, sort of, you know, half-baked as the solutions there, uh, have seen, have, have seemed, um, with the exception of Ilya, um, I think that, you know, that's what I would want, want to have happen. If they do that, that's a plan that they've had for a while on someone they've scouted and are waiting for the window to open for, because you're not making that change in the middle of a trash season to try and fix it. I think if they had a DP number six, this team would be better, but not like competing for anything significant better. Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends, it depends on, um, you know, it depends on who it is. I mean, um, you know, the, the, the center of the, of the pitch is such an important place. And, um, you know, if you had, um, you know, I mean, he plays tonight or just throw the name out there because he's the best in MLS right now. If you had someone like Joe Paulo, that changes your, that changes your whole team. You know I mean? Um, you know, I, I, uh, the problem is that that's not the kind of player, you know, who, you know, we would expect to see. Um, although given the way that they're playing, uh, the team is playing right now, uh, there would be nothing, there would, there would be not, a, um, you know, it's, it's hard to think of, of a downfall to bringing in a, a player like that uh, because, you know, uh, Roselle is, um, you know, as you and I talked before we started, you know, he was okay on, on Saturday, but he wasn't great. And, um, the things that he does are, uh, they're, they're replicable by other players, you know? Um, yeah, I, I remember on first watch and this is, you know, something we did chat about before starting that it, I remember being pretty grumpy with his performance on first watch when I watched it live. And then the bit that I did rewatch, and when I look uh, looked at his numbers and looked at his passing map, I was less upset with his play. And so I, I do have to be realistic about the fact that, you know, maybe my own biases are sort of informing my, you know, assessment as I view it live. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, he had he had some some terrible passes and silly giveaways in 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 bad moments. And um, and so you know, those things uh, are not necessarily things that are going to show up in the stats, but they matter. Yeah. And that's the, that's the problem that we've had with him in general is yeah. that he's just, you know, the, to steal a scuffed term, you know, the hospital ball is like his forte at times. Right. And and, he and, just... and, the, and the problem is, is, is he's, he is a, a veteran exp, uh, experienced player who's played in this system, who's played for per- Peter Vermes. He should not be doing that. I mean, right. he shouldn't. That's just the, the whole reason that you have veterans like that is because they don't make 
uh, solely mistakes like that. Um, and uh, if you have one that does, and then, you know, as we've discussed, doesn't have the the, the youth and athleticism to, si- to kind of make up for those things, uh, that's when you get into trouble. And, and you know, his 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 pass map is, uh, is a little bit better than it was, but it's still, you know, it's still um, mostly... It's vanilla. I would say it's not even horizontal as much as he's vanilla. Right. It's, it's his, very he's, vanilla. He's, and that's, that's, he's that's playing the to the wings. That's his, that's, yeah. that's his job. That's, that is the player that, that was brought in. And, you know, um, it's not his fault that he was, you know, possibly, you know, we think brought in to be a backup and is now the, the season long starter. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not ideal. Can I ask a question, though, based on that philosophy, if you kind of play that all the way back and he maybe wasn't supposed to be the starter, but, you know, we heard all all of the platitudes coming out of camp and how great form he was and how good he looked, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then we go to the Jose Maury situation. Jose Maury is not a progressive passer. That's not his game. He's not even a number six, really. I mean, he was he's not. He was was more of an eight. He's like an eight, six. Sort yeah. of. I think he'd be. I think Maori would be good in a double pivot, but um, sure. I, I, I don't think that he's the traditional six that you've seen at Sporting, and so yeah. I think it just goes back to this philosophy question of is is Vermes sort of de-emphasizing the midfield now, because that seems to be what's happening to me, and and if you watch the game. I'm sure you saw this on the rewatch. They do yeah. bypass the midfield a fair bit constantly, in, the, in that game. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. So is, <laughs> the is midfield, it, you know, it's like, it's like the, 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 the midfield and now we've wrapped, you know, Kyrie Shelton into it. It's like their only job is to, is to press and, um, and, and make tackles. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how successful that, strategy is going to be in the long term you know well and the the frustrating thing for me too was that when felipe came on he came on what like the 60th minute or something because uri is still not you know 90 minutes fit right so he comes on for uri they move voltaire to the six and roger moves over to the right and felipe immediately started getting into those triangles with indenbe and shallowy and i'm like isn't this what we want yeah isn't this the kind of thing that we'd like to see more of and so, I so I think I think Roger attempts to do that, right? And he he tried. And, you look at his passing map; he's trying. Yeah. He did and interact he with Adenbe a little bit. Out, yep, he finds himself out on the wing a lot. You know, but but you know, it's not his natural position. It's not his natural playing style. And you know, you can just see the guy. You know, his his range um, throughout the game gets like smaller and smaller and smaller um, until you know by the time you know he's pulled off. Um, you know, he's, his, his range is, is basically just what's right around him. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's not what the team needs. I agree that the team needs veteran leadership. And I agree that, you know, Roger is a, probably a good person to have on the field, uh, uh, at that time. But, but just like the last time we discussed this, you know, the, I would want the situations switched so that, you know, um, that Felipe is starting the game and playing the bulk of those minutes and, and doing all the running and, and, uh, and then you bring on the savvy veteran at the end to, um, you know, to make something happen. Like I would be fine with that, but that's not what's happening. 
Well, the other part of it is, I think, you know, matchup related as well. I think it's easier for Roger to look successful when he's going up against Saki and Sambalang in his first yeah. his first start. And, you know, then Cervania comes on for him and gets two yellow cards in seven minutes. And all of a sudden the game states change, right? And um, there's, you know, you're able to leave Roger on the field because you're playing against 10 and there's no right-sided midfielder. And yeah, I mean, it's the, the situation becomes simplified. Um, I think, you know, as we saw and we're going to see um, this weekend against a team like New York City, I mean, I just don't, I have a lot of concerns about his, and this is not a situation where like, I don't think this is Roger's fault. He's being played out of position in a role that he is not suited to. And it's because of injury and the fact that Peter believes he's better to have on the field with his, you know, in a position he's not suited to and is out like out of his own element than bringing in a player who's actually good at that position just inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, well, and the, um, uh, um, the Cervania thing is, um, you know, it's, uh, it's instructive because I mean, that that's what happens when you bring on kids, right. Uh, sometimes, um, they make mistakes like that. Oh, uh, well, did you see Felipe raking back across <laughs> the head of Pass after the goal? Well, but I mean, but uh, you were laughing about it, but literally that's a kind of, that, that is a yeah. stupid thing to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like losing my mind over it, but yeah. that's the kind, I, I don't even know what his, his, the purpose of that was. I don't know if Poss was talking shit at some point and got into, I, but, or was making it hard for him to get to the ball or whatever it was, but mm -hmm. it was well, Like I said, I mean, that's, 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 you know, that's what happens sometimes when you play kids is they make stupid mistakes and, uh, and you got to live with it. And you, you know, imagine, imagine if Cameron Duke, you know, uh, got, you know, two, ye two yellow cards in 10 minutes or whatever, and got sent off. I mean, you know, he didn't, we, we, he, we'd never he see didn't. him again. No, he, he didn't. didn't. He, he played. played, he played flipping fantastic. And yes, we're going to get did. to that, but, and, and, you know, I think he's going to have more opportunities at that position based on that performance, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, the back line um, in general. So Courtney Ford, Robert Volader, um, was the was the starting lineup again not like earth shatteringly good it was perfectly um serviceable fine and something i want to see more because yeah. um let me put it this way volader had a very fine decent performance mm -hmm. and i can count on two fingers how many of those fantas had had all year prior to this and Volader's had two of them in a row. Yeah. So I'm, I want to, and you can see him, especially in the second half, like getting more and more comfortable with the mm -hmm. game, with the way the game's playing. He's the one that draws the second yellow from Cervania. Cause he, he drives forward on a ball. And like, if Cervania doesn't foul him there, sporting's in a really good position to create a chance. So, I mean, there's a reason why that yellow card happened, but yeah. he's, he he's hitting some passes. He's not like he's not peak Fantas at doing that, but he does it. And he, and it's obviously a strength of his and he's 20 years old. And he's, he, I feel like every minute he's on the field, you see him getting better and getting yeah. more comfortable. 
Um, a player that I just wasn't, ex- I wasn't even sure we'd see based on how he barely played for nine games. Um, but he's, well, I mean, he might not if, uh, if, if, if uh, EC doesn't, yeah, if EC's face doesn't get broken, we may not see yeah. him. Yeah. We may not know this about him. So I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I'd be surprised if Fontes gets back in the lineup anytime soon based on, yeah. based on what I saw Ford, you know, uh, Vermees said this after the match. Um, the the goal that Velasco scores is it's a golazo. It's a fantastically taken free kick. Yeah. Miss me with the Melias playing the near post too much nonsense, bro. Whatever. This is a fantastic free kick, and Melia has to cover the near post because there's a runner coming in there. So if yeah. Velasco plays that ball short, if he's not on the near post, it's a goal. So stop with that. Melia should have got that bullshit. That's not true at all. Um, but he. And Courtney Ford almost clears it. Do you see this? He actually gets yeah. the back post and gets his head on it, which no way any of our uh, either of our other two starting backs, center backs uh, this year would have got to that ball. So, I, but that situation is created. But, but <laughs> yeah. that situation is created by Courtney Ford with a little bit of a reckless challenge on the edge of the box. Oh no! Um, I mean, I think it was. I think it was more than a little bit. I think it was totally reckless. There's. It, he there's doesn't need no to make attack. He doesn't need to slide no tackle. It. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's just it's uh it's ridiculous. And you know, I think that that is one of uh, the valid criticisms of Ford is that he just he goes to ground too easily and he he slide he re- he he relies on slide tackles uh, too much. And um, you know, I. I don't know. There's part of me that that agrees with the adage that you know if you if you if you have to slide tackle, um, you're out of position, right? You're probably uh, you're you're recovering. You're slow. You're not where you need to be. You're not late. moving your feet. Yeah, you're late to your um, spot. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know that that's you know I don't believe that all the time. Um, you know, uh, and Julio Caesar, uh, you know, he was the I I would. I'd pay money to just watch that guy slide tackle, but um, well, some guys are very adept at it. And, right. And that's, and this is sort of a live by the sword, die by the sword situation with Ford because he had three extremely successful slide tackles last week. You build yeah. that confidence. And he had a couple other that were successful in this game. Just that one was not only unsuccessful, but unnecessary. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, what you hope it's not, it, it's where it was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's the problem, you know? Well, I can understand him making that tackle if there's no one behind. Yeah. But he had two trailing defenders that were ready to cover. And yep. yeah. so there, there's just yeah, a little bit of an awareness it. problem and him trying to do too much and sort of the mm-hmm. doing too much award of the, of the day, um, probably goes to Courtney Ford, but he played very well otherwise. So I'm yeah, not, I, I like, so. you know, I'm not going to completely like this is the stuff I hope Vermes gets away from, which is killing guys for making mistakes like that. Like the only people that seem to get away with those kind of mistakes are Roger Espinosa and Kyrie Shelton. Everyone else, <laughs> everyone else, you make a mistake or, you know, Zussi, right. But I mean, Zussi has yeah. been making those mistakes, um, no, but sure. the, the guys that, you know, are trying to get minutes, they make a mistake like that. And they'll oftentimes they get pulled out of games. And thankfully for Courtney, there's, the option is to go to Andrea Fantas, and I just don't see that happening. So um, I, I think that he'll get to he'll get to keep you know getting better and and you know learning and you know it's a good teaching moment and ho- I'm sure it's going to come up in film this week for yes. sure. It's just good to watch. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's just good to watch you know 
athletic guys, you know, because even the even the younger guys that that we've had in the past couple of years um, at those positions, you know, like Graham Smith or um, you know um, Punchic, who uh, wasn't really younger, but you really know, young, yeah. I mean, you know, those guys are they're not they're not like athletes, right? Um, Did and you Courtney see, Ford is an yeah. athlete. I mean, yeah. He, so he and Cameron Duke. Cameron Duke ran him down from behind, but Courtney Ford ran with him. Yeah. Velasco got uh-huh. on that break. What was it like 70 something minute, you know, cause they had so much press forward and Velasco gets out on a break and both of those guys ran him down and just, yep. and then so, and because there was two of them, Ford was able to drop back and let Duke try to make the, try to win the duel when he didn't Ford stepped in and it was possession over. And it was just yeah. like, I love seeing this. This is I'm more of this, please. Uh, but you had two guys. I mean, Cameron Duke is lightning fast. We know this. But this is after he'd been going for quite a bit. And he still ran down Velasco. And Ford was running with him the whole way. And we don't we don't have these um, recovery defending problems. Because that happens with uh, EC and Fontas. That's a goal. Right. And, and the thing is, is, you know. Wow. Well. I mean, it's basically, about- it's, it's basically the goal. I mean, like just, I mean, Justin Miram burned Graham Zussi at the end of last season. <laughs> so and Justin Miram is almost as old as Zussi. Um, so yeah, anyway. It, I mean, I mean just- if, you, if you have guys who can cover ground, you don't have to let Ilya walk. Right. I mean, that, that's, you know, it's, it, it really kind of comes down to that. It's about squad construction and it's about, you know, it's about what kind of team you want to have and, you know, having a team that can, you know, pass pretty is really great. Uh, but you, you play in a league with athletes, you know, you play in a league that's fast and physical and um, uh, you know, and, and you got to have, some people who can keep up with that, you know? Yeah. So I, my just whole read on the Courtney Ford thing is that he in the first half hour had to do a fair bit of emergency defending because, because Dallas was definitely trying to play behind the back line, which, you know, that's That's what they they do. do. That's what they do. So he did have to do some emergency defending and he was, he had snuffed out a couple fires already. So probably feeling himself a little bit and thinking he can get to everything and just, did too much. Right. And I, I, like I said, he was great the rest of the game. I'm not really worried about it. It's just, and then, but to Vermes's point, you give up a free kick in that situation. Yeah. Somebody your you know, crazy DP comes in and bangs one home. This is, was, this is a Sebastian Blanco corollary, right? Um, yep. You know, Dallas had less than one XG on pretty much all the models and scored two goals. And both yep. of them were high class goals from high high money DPs. Yep. Um, Ferreira more on his contract than on a transfer fee, but you, you get what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that um, let's, let's transition to Cameron Duke. So he comes on for Zussi 23rd minute. Zussi looks like he injured his quad. The quote I saw from Vermes yesterday or today was that it's not bad, but it's going to keep him out for a little bit. And they're going to have to be yeah. careful bringing him back. So he doesn't re-aggravate it. So be a couple of weeks, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. And um, with as well as Duke played out there, this is something I asked for a couple weeks ago, but I was thinking more of him as a wing back than necessarily a right back. But if you have that back line of Ford, Volator, and Denbe Duke, you don't even need to go to a three man back line. No, 
they're so athletic. Like, and I, the thing I was really surprised by, and I, I, I don't know that this continued through the second half, but as soon as he came on the field, he was very good defensively. His recoveries were really good. He yeah. um, he won a couple it did duels in the second half. He was, he, I mean, he was great all 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 game. I mean, long. I I noticed his offensive play a lot more in the second half. He was a lot more yeah. involved offensively in the second half, especially after the red card because he can be a lot more forward at that point. But um, I just clocked all of his stuff. He had eight recoveries, four interceptions, one three of four tackles. 80% passing and an assist probably should have had two assists to be completely honest. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, on the, the Shelton, uh, uh, shot that got saved. So, I mean, and it was totally different than the Graham Zussi right back, but very similar production. I don't know yeah. that Zussi ever gets that many recoveries. That's not really his thing, but, no. or is, or is intercepting the ball that much. So it's well, almost it's too, almost it's like, like a different layer to it. It is, and it's and you know he is able to go up and down the field, and and that matters, right? So even you know even if you're not um, you know actively creating you know chances uh, and that sort of thing in the attack, uh, just by being another body down there adds a, adds an element of you know confusion and um, uh, you know. Basically, defenders have to take him into account when he's down there. They don't have to take Gramzusi into account when he's hanging back with the center backs, uh, and so um, it 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 helps, man. It and this team in attack needs all the help it can get. And so, if you throw those two uh, young, fast uh, uh, fullbacks on who can just run and up and down the field the whole game, uh, it's it's going to be good. It's going to help the attack. It can't it can't not help the attack. The other thing that's good about them is they're different fullbacks in what they do. Absolutely. And Denbay's very much like, you know, the Matt Doyle chalk on his boots on the edge line, kind of really driving up the the touch line kind of fullback and then trying to combine with Shallowy in it or delivering a ball in. That's kind of what he was doing. Um uh Cameron Duke was inverting a lot which I was surprised by because I, I mean, that's usually Zussi's role. So maybe he's trying to play that role and that's what Peter, you know, was trying to, you know, get him to do, but he was cutting in a lot. So the first, the first chance he, um, in that he should have gotten assist on, he dribbles a couple dudes across the top of the 18. And then honestly, the pass he made to Kyrie was pretty like he gets the guy and then he just sort of hops it over the guy's foot to Kyrie and to be fair, Kyrie takes a good shot here. The, the guy's right on his back, and he gets it between his legs and goes the opposite direction that Poss was running. And Poss just makes a really good snapback save. Like, yeah. it, all of that was actually, I mean, I can't get mad at Kyrie there. You wish he gets a little more heat on it, but he's got a guy on his back, and he's trying to put it through his legs. So I, I understand that that's not going to, but Duke created that whole chance on his own. And it was a, he was kind of driving up. And then he cut in and dribbled some guys. And then a minute later on the goal that Shally scored to tie the game, the, the ball sort of recycles back out to him. And you can see him look and um, it, like he's almost about to do the Zussi, which is to try and curl one into the far yeah. post, uh -huh. right? You can see his head up and he's, his foot's almost there. And he's like, nope, hesitates, goes. And two things happen there, right? One, he freezes the defender with that so he's able to go by him but secondly he draws those other defenders to him so yeah. he's able to pull the drop back 
to uh, Shallowy, who honestly, I, you know, you watch it and you're like, well, he can't get it out from under his feet. No, he's really what he's doing there is not only positioning the ball, but waiting for the center back to come up and pulling him up. And as soon as he pulls him up, he releases it. And that's what gives him the, the space to, to make the goal. He actually was, he's on the Sporting KC show this week. And he talked a little bit about it. Like sometimes you have to have patience there and mm-hmm. use the ball because defender, he talks about the fact that sometimes, you know, defenders have to be so careful inside the 18 that they don't make a foul and create a penalty. And he, um, you can use that to your advantage and like kind of pull them into and, and, and kind of read their movement and pull them into space. So you can play behind the space um and uh slots at home but so much stuff about that goal sequence was really good cameron duke obviously yeah. was really good um but the um the situation where johnny tries to draw a foul in the box doesn't get it Kyrie keeps playing and wins the duel in the box it causes the ball to get recycled back out there's just a lot of good things that are sort of sporting staples that well, um that that were in play there and i i really enjoyed it and i i just I was very, very pleased with Cameron Duke's play from that position. I totally agree. Now, all that said, we all got to remember he's 21. Okay. (laughs) High likelihood he's not going to be this good next week or this Saturday. Right. Like, I I think it's a high likelihood that he's going to play that position. Zussi's obviously out. I don't think that Peter's going to bring in Caden Pierre or Ben Sweat to play that position after Duke was the one he pulled off the bench immediately when it went down. Mm-hmm. and played so well when that happened. So I think that you're going to see Cameron Duke there. Um, but let's be realistic about what he can offer um, and hope that we can, if he continues to get minutes like this, mm-hmm. these types of performance become more consistent because that's really how that happens. Um, the other thing that I um, I don't know I don't know if I said it exactly this way on the podcast last week, but this was in the notes from last week's rundown, and I know we talked about it was shallow. He was not getting in the game enough. Um, I don't know if he listens to Home and Away, Daniel. If you do, hi, how you doing? But um, Jesus Christ, that was not a problem this week. Um, no, he was in it. He was all in the game. He was getting into the middle of the box, like really getting inside um, the. Um, the penalty that he drew was just the absolute way you sell a foul. Like that was great. It was great. I mean, it, you call it a soft penalty if you want to. Um, he had the guy on the turn, and the guy was giving him enough body that all he had to do was sort of fall down into it. And yep. it's a penalty. You're never going to overturn it. Um, and so he sold the foul really well. And then Johnny does what he does. Paul Carr actually tweeted out like all of Johnny's penalty kicks and they all go to exactly the same side. And I was, I almost wanted to respond to him. I was like, yeah, Paul, but you're not, you're not looking at level in those goals because Johnny puts it top 90 on that side every time. And I don't care. You'd have to stand there as a goalkeeper to force him to put it the other way because it's unsavable when he does that. And he hits it so hard. Yeah. He hits it so hard um in the in the top corner and just uh, i don't know why anyone else on the team would ever take a penalty i understand polito's got like a really good history of making penalties but i guess i guess as soon as i say that johnny's gonna put one over the bar but um (laughs) yeah i i he's just absolutely drills it every time yeah um so yeah i mean shall we play great 
played fantastic. Best game of the year for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, he's, he, he's responsible for both goals. Uh, you know, one, one with the one with the actual goal and the other with the drawn penalty. And, uh, and he was dangerous, uh, on more, uh, occasions than those two. And that's, that's what he has to do. And that's what Johnny has to do is they have to be dangerous because they're it, you know, they are the, the creative, um, uh, attackers on the team. They are responsible for uh, for getting in the box and making things happen. It's those two guys or it's no one really. And so uh, it was really good to see them both come out and both have pretty good games against uh, a quality opponent. I will say that in that penalty that he drew, that was created by Johnny dribbling from the edge as he does. And he, you know, got by two guys, drew some defenders to him, and then, you know, did the whole, um, you know, delivery to Shallowy, and Shallowy turns the defender and gets the penalty. So it, it's your two key offensive talents that are left <laughs> um, making that play. And we need to see, yep. it just needs to happen more. I liked Shallowy getting into the box there. Um, that's stuff I hadn't seen from him as much, where he's almost getting into the center forward position um, when Johnny does something like that, he's he's finding he's finding spots, or, or at least in this match, he was finding spots a lot better than I remember the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, what else did we miss from the game? I'm trying to look here in the rundown. Um, the the okay, let's get to the Jesus Ferreira goal because so they get the they get the penalty. Velasco gets the Golasso free kick. Like it was a fantastic free kick. Yes, it shouldn't have happened, but it's a they give it to Alan Velasco. It was a fantastic kick. Then, like six minutes later, Jesus Ferreira gets his goal. And um Doyle does a really excellent breakdown of this on his weekend cat a recap where he's got like a video of it and he talks about like you call it, you know, he does the champagne football thing and um, the reason that it frustrates me is it is the positional play hallmarks that sporting used to be fantastic at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is the exact kind of goal the last couple years that they would have tried to create. Mm -hmm. um, using, using your winger to pin the fullback on the, on the touchline using, and then um, having your midfielder drop back to get into the space and then deliver the next ball. And then Ferreira gets to come back and receive it. And then I, some people are having a run at Robbie Volader here. I don't know that this is, I mean, look, it happens. You're going against a DP striker. This guy's probably going to be the starting center forward for the U S men's national team in Qatar. So he's a very good player. Yeah. Um, he does try to, does try to like shade him to the end line and just gets got, on a cross yeah. back and, but even still Ferreira is not in, he's got a narrow angle at this point and just, just like assassin, you know, closes it, right. Just fires it right into the side netting. And it's a very good goal. I'm not as concerned about the whole, you know, Robbie Volader sort of getting caught there and that, that kind of stuff. I'm more like a little bit frustrated by the fact that, all of the stuff that led up to Ferreira getting into that yeah. position is like prime sporting KC stuff. 
and it's like really upsetting to watch another team do it, and especially <laughs> when when we haven't seen Sporting do this this year. Um, the uh, the 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 problem is that the 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 ball movement was quicker than the pressure, you know, and um, which was a hallmark we, of this team for like three or four years now. They this is what when they I mean twenty nineteen not twenty nineteen accepted for the injuries and all the stuff, but even before the injuries, when they like shredded Toluca, it was ball movement faster than pressure. That mm-hmm. was what they yep. did, and it's just really really a bummer to watch someone slice us up with our play. Yeah, I agree. It uh, <laughs> you know you watch you, you watch that replay, you know time and time again and there are uh, like there's there's no one player that's like you know even mostly to blame but there's you know there's just a lot of shared blame and it's just you know it, it only when you play a good team you know uh, with with quality attackers if you fall asleep for one moment that's really all it takes you know and that's that's kind of what happened and and uh, and they paid they paid the price and you know I think it has to be mentioned also that that um, you know, Amidst everything else, it's not like um, it's not like Tim Melia is having a fantastic season himself, right? I mean, there are a lot of other things going on, but you know, he's not he's not stoning guys like he has in the past, and um, and I, I don't blame him for that. I mean, he's been hung out to dry uh, uh, consistently, but you know, a couple of years ago, that's a ball that Melia has. Uh, you know. Do you think he comes out earlier for that to shut down the angle? Maybe I don't know what he would do there because when he sees Volador try to push Ferreira to the end line, he can't. He's got to go cover the near post at that point. So I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know that there's. I don't. I can't say a specific thing that he should do. I'm just like you know. Uh, the thing that makes good goalkeepers good is that they save some shots they shouldn't save. They have no I'm, business yeah. saving. That, that's I don't all know. Kind of thing. I don't know that Ferreira or I don't think either of these goals the Dallas scored were. I, you'd have to be insanely lucky to save yeah. them. They're not I, even I, like. I, I want to be clear. Like I am not blaming Tim Melia at all. Yeah. I'm just saying that there that, are some other ones know, that he in has some years a, those breaks have yeah. gone for the team, and they're not going for us this year. Well, and that's the problem more than anything, right? Is not only are they not playing well, but they're also getting bad breaks in games yeah. that they do play. Like they played their best game of the year this year by far against Dallas. Um, midfield usefulness and progressing the ball accepted. They, you know, 15 shots by far their best shot total. And it wasn't all after the 67th minute. Like they only had five shots after the 67th minute. So it wasn't like it was that, that which would have been about normal, right? That would have been a third of the game. So I think that they played. The disappointing thing should be that they didn't get more shots against 10 men. But Dallas was at that point had no interest in playing soccer. They were just, they were in, they were in a low block and we know that sporting doesn't have the creative players that can take apart a low block. They just don't. I mean, at least, um, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know. when they're at full strength, I mean, even I when mean, they're at full know, strength, what, they, uh, uh, they uh, the striker, the only actual striker on the team is sitting on the bench the entire time when uh, you're, uh, when you're up a man and, uh, and tied at home. And so, you know, yeah, I so don't let's, know. That's a, let's that's take a, a minute. Let's take a minute to discuss that. So I, you know, we've, I don't want to beat on this too much. Uh, we know that Kyrie is being played out of position and the, 
it became even more clear to me when I was, you know, kind of preparing for the podcast this week. And I started looking at, I've, I've seen, I've looked at his individual heat maps for a couple weeks now, just to kind of see them. And there's obvious, mm-hmm. there's no consistent place where he's getting a touch of any kind. It's kind yeah. of all over the place. Yeah. And it just, it's, it's instructive because it shows you that he is not a center forward playing and he doesn't know he he's playing all over the place. He's basically a winger with no wing to cover. And so he's everywhere touching the ball, which, okay, fine. He's athletic and he's capable of doing that. And he's able to run for days. I'd love to know what his freaking distance covered numbers are. They're probably insane because at least when he's on the, on the right wing, he's mostly playing right wing. You know, when he's, in this position, he's right wing, left wing, middle of the field, all the way back next to the left fullback. Like it's everywhere. And I just don't see how that's conducive to um, being a additive player in attack when that's where you're going all the time. Like, and I, I don't know, maybe that, maybe this is what Peter's telling him to do, get anywhere or cover this. Like he's, he covers everything. But the problem is that when you're not in a consistent area. So, so, so the, the thing, the, the area of the field that I personally would prefer that he cover more than anything is the near post, you know, when uh, a person on the wing has the ball. And he doesn't do that. Almost because he's not ever. a center forward. Right. <laughs> right. But he's playing, he's, he, but he's playing what, that position. He needs that's to be what a center forward does. That's all what the time. Does Make that it. run. Make that. He's, I mean, that's the frustrating thing. He's, he's not even making that run. That Shallowy, is the run that made the run on the penalty. He's yep. the one who made yep. that run on the penalty. Johnny comes in. Shally makes the run to the ear. You know, you know who makes that run? People who want to score goals. They, that's who makes that run. You gotta, you have to want it. You have to want it. You have to be goal dangerous if you're in that position. And if you're not, then, you know, uh, what the hell are you doing playing that position? Well, and this is something you hit on uh, during the match when it was being, you know, live during the match. Um, He's a pressing forward, right? He's really a defensive pressing winger is what he is, but he's being put in the center of the field and he's constantly pressing the center backs of the goalkeeper when they're trying to play out from the back. But the problem is the team's not set up to press all the time. They did press a lot more in the second half which did yeah. come off. That's how shallowly got one of his chances. It was on, it was under pressure. So it was like, um, when, when shallowly, I, I thought, I thought just overall that the team pressed pretty well. They did, but they didn't press all the time. No. And sometimes, I mean, you can't press all the time. I mean, well, only if you got a team full of 20 year olds, can you do that? Well, they have the guys that can do that. So let's yeah. get to this point. Let's get, okay. Let's get to the NYCFC sort of thing because, I am, well, I mean, I am highly concerned about this match. Uh, NYCFC has scored almost five goals per game in their last three games. 14 goals in three games. So they have almost doubled SKC's total scoring in three games. Um, It is at City Field. I don't know if they've played at City Field yet this year. Who knows? They've played at like 17 places at home, quote-unquote at home. Um, but uh, they played this past weekend. That's where they were. Was that it was at City Field last yeah. time? Is is City Field a better sized field than Yankee Stadium? I don't know if it is or if it isn't. Oh wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. This past weekend they were at Yankee Yankee Stadium. Uh, so, I would say I don't know what the field sizes are, but I mean just from the eye test, I would say yes. 
Okay. Yankee Field, Yankee. I mean, that place is tiny. Yankee Stadium is just. I mean, well, Concacaf won't let him play there. That was the yeah. whole thing, right? Like that's why yeah. they had to play one of their home matches was at LAFC Stadium during the group or not group stage, but the initial knockout stage um, when they were playing that Panamanian team, or was it Panamanian? I don't know. Comunicaciones. I don't remember what league they played in. But anyway, I they were. I thought they were. They were a Caribbean. Guatemalan. Team. No. No, it's like Central American, but I think it was mm. Guatemalan or something like that. Anyway, um, doesn't matter. They literally Concacaf will not allow them to play Champions League matches at Yankee Stadium. That's how narrow it is. But um, anyway, I, I I I won't even watch games um, that are played there most of the time unless it's sporting is the opponent. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 not great. And actually what's weird to me is I actually look at it and they could steal a yard on either side of that field yeah. if they wanted to and they just don't. So anyway, um I this is a team that is very good, you know, won MLS Cup last year. They have a DP striker who is in great form, has been for the past 18 months, Tati Castellanos. They have a bunch of really good players. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say about how sporting might deal with this. But what I would say is, I think going to sort of a, you know, energy drink football crazy press wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to do to him. It would catch him off. Like the thing, the thing with it, I mean, the only thing is that you, you bring yourself open to a counter at that point, And NYCFC is, very, very dangerous on the counter. Um, but I don't I don't know. Like I I think if you have this back line that they had for most of the game on Saturday, which is Indenbe, Volitor, Ford, and Duke. And you actually bring on a Felipe Hernandez to start the game versus finish the game. You could pre you could be pretty aggressive with the press. Yeah, I agree. I mean, maybe I mean Uri is not I don't know, whatever. That's okay. I, I mean, so so you know, you don't have to have um you know, you don't have to have eleven players who who are all out like that. They you know, pressed the hot that, they pressed hard all the time in twenty eighteen and Elie was was the freaking six. Right. So. I mean you it's just about it's it's about, you know, having the players to kind of you know, as as uh, as I'm fond of saying, uh, you know, paper over the the deficiencies. And you know, if you if you're if you've got you know Remy and and uh, uh, Felipe in the midfield, uh, and then those two center backs behind him, actually, it sets up pretty nicely for uh, Roselle, honestly. Yeah, that's true. That may be true. Maybe a chaotic game is better for Roselle to find space. Yeah, I mean, honest. I don't. I don't. I don't know that a chaotic game would be great for him, but it's just you know he just works. He just works best when it's just like simple, you know, and and you know receive the ball, get rid of it. The you know the sort of the the metronome thing, and you know it, he he is okay in the press. I mean, his problem is just you know recovery speed, and and um, um, but I think he would be fine. But I mean, the the teams he played on with Sporting were crazy pressing teams. That's yeah, but that was, that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, true. That was nine years ago. But what I'm saying uh, is, is that I don't know that his forte on those teams was being an aggressive presser himself. No, like, I don't think. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't so, consider him an aggressive presser. That's what I'm saying is like yeah. he wasn't playing a role of an aggressive presser, but the team right. was. 
and I he fit very well with that team. Yeah. So that's um, not. I mean, that's not the role of the six in the system. Nope. Um, and so that's. Um, I don't know. That's another I, I thing just, that just makes me think about you know possibilities. I'm just no, no Busquets, no Busquets. Oh Jesus! Why don't no even Busquets. put that in the universe, man? <laughs> Good lord! There's your DP number six. <laughs> I, I I almost said it when you were talking about it, but I uh, I saw your yeah. tweet about it. I, I yeah, it would it would be so Vermes to sign an old, slow, washed up Barcelona number six. Like yeah. that would be just, and to be fair, Sergio Busquets is way better at soccer than any defensive midfielder we've ever had. I'm not saying yeah. that he's not a fantastic player, but um, yeah, that would he's be like 36, man. I mean, he's, he's like 34. Is he 34? I, th- yeah. I thought he was older than that, but I remember uh, looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's still too old. <laughs> well, and he said he wouldn't even, Oh, he's 33 right now. He turns 34. In July. Oh my gosh. He just moves like an old man. <laughs> Well, I mean, 33, and he's been at Barcelona for, you know, since he was 18. That man's man's played. Okay, he's got league matches for Barcelona, 448 of them. Okay, so, like, dude's been, dude's got a lot of miles on those legs. Yes, he does. Um, And he's not, he's not Zlatan. So, (laughs) um Doing Taekwondo every weekend. He's He's more Pirlo, and we saw how that worked. Yeah, well, and. The, the only thing I will say is Busquets is a lot, he's a lot bigger guy than Pirlo yeah, is. Yes. Um, but yeah, Pirlo, he came to New York City to drink wine, not yeah. to play soccer. He did, and he looked good doing it too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a handsome man. There's no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, the, we're it's, it's ton, very tongue in cheek about that. But yeah, yeah. it's going to be a challenging game for us. And I don't, um, I just am trying to think like Peter talked about making changes at the eights dependent on matchup. And I just think to your point earlier, like I just keep asking for it. I, and I, I just, I feel bad cause I feel like I'm shitting on Roger every time we have this podcast and I'm not, I just want him to be an off the bench guy that can provide energy. Yeah. So here's the thing. He, Peter talked about this. He's like, I wish we had Roger for those last 10 minutes. Cause his veteran presence would have allowed us to, he would have been able to sort of instruct guys on what, you know, that's I'm reading between the lines. Basically what he's saying is he would have known what they needed to do to try and get that third goal. Like yeah. he's been around too many of those situations. I think of the Paulo Nagamura game against Vancouver, mm-hmm. like those kind of things. Like Rogers been around those things and he knows what's necessary in those situations. And wouldn't have that have been great if he was the one coming on for the last half hour and had yeah. his full legs the whole time. And, like, you know, and the thing is, is that, is that, you know, that it's, it's, the, the the injury to Zusi is not an accident, okay? Um, and he was already uh, feeling, you know, uh, fatigued. Uh, they said in the post game that you know he um, he didn't even practice uh, for uh, at least two of the days uh, the week prior. They've been uh, giving him he, off days he, since the beginning of the season, Cody. He needs he needs rest, you know. I mean, and and you know how how long can you just keep running Roger out there for eighty minutes, eighty minutes, eighty minutes, eighty minutes? You know, it's just it's it's um it's it's it, well, it's ridiculous. It's not fair to the players, and uh, you know I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to to like those players, but it's also not fair to the guys uh, who are on the bench uh, and who deserve chances. And if they don't deserve chances, they shouldn't be on the team. I'm like, that's my 
you know. But you can't tell me that Felipe wasn't a positive addition for the last half I, hour. Absolutely, he should have. But he should have been playing the whole game. I mean, we were you and I are on the same page about that. You know, I'm I'm not going to say that he's always perfect, but that's because he never gets to he never gets to fucking play. Like yeah. how like we we keep beating this horse dead, but you cannot improve as a player sitting on the bench and coming in for ten minutes. That is not how players improve. If you want to develop players, you need to give them playing time and you need to instruct them on what mistakes they've made afterward. And, and to you, be- you need to give them playing time in high leverage matches too. You in MLS matches, it does it's not the same playing in you know MLS Next Pro. It's just not. You can't replicate it. You know, um, Those are, I mean that's a Division Two or Division Three like thing now, right? So- it's Div Three. It's Div Three now, I think. And and you know that it's it's just not the same thing. You know, and and, you know, the problem that we've run into in the past and this is like a multiple, multiple year issue is that, you know, players, you know, don't get young players don't get chances early on in the season um, and because we're riding the hot hand and uh, the the uh, veteran players wear down by the end of the season. And then you end up having to having to trust kids to come in in games when you are either, you know, fighting to make the playoffs or fighting uh, to win playoff games or fighting for home field uh, advantage in the playoffs. And, and it, it doesn't work. And, you know, it's like consistent problem. And, you know, I think maybe this year, you know, the injuries to the veterans um, might be, uh, might be, changing the the dynamic a little bit. And it, I, I wish that it hadn't come to that, to that, but um, you well, know, my it's, concern good that, is, it's good that they're getting time. My concern is, is that they're going to have inconsistent performances. They're young players with limited professional experience. There are going to be inconsistencies in how they play. Thank God Cam Duke played the way he did when he came on. Otherwise sporting yeah. doesn't even get a draw. Yeah. So like, thank God he was the player he was, but, yeah. We all got to like pump the brakes expecting this performance from him every game. That's not going to be reality. And he needs to be able to get a run of minutes to look, to build that professional, like, you know, understanding of what he's doing and he's got to make mistakes and learn from them. I will say that Vermees was, you know, he did say at, when he was talking about the end of the game and Roger coming off and they lost a little bit of their, you know, connectivity and the, the things that he, he, they lost a little bit of their push to try and get the final goal. And he said, he did say, well, and part of the problem is these guys don't have a whole lot of experience and we got to put them in these moments and see what happens. And then I can, now I have film, I can go back to and say, Hey, look, this is what we were trying to do. And this is what you weren't doing. That's how you develop players. They have that's to see it. Work. That's yeah. how, it, that's how it's supposed to work. And I, I hope that we're turning a corner related to those things. Part of it is forced. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not sure I would have said I want in Denbe, Volater, Ford, and Duke as our back line. Because I think that you're putting a bunch of low experience players together at once. And it could go really, really bad. Because if they all well, have a, if they all have a one of the bad of their inconsistent games, if they have just an off day and it's going to yeah. happen, if they all do it at the same time, we're hosed. This is how you know the, the whole Cave Rod Graham Smith thing turned into both of them riding the bench forever and never playing yeah. again. I don't think we've seen either of them play minutes for Sporting since that game. 
And I um, yeah, Graham Smith isn't even in the program anymore. No, he? he's not. He's gone. But yeah. he never played another minute for the team. Yeah. After that, and I'm I'm glad that injuries are forcing Peter's hand to give these guys minutes. But typically, when you do this, you don't put all of them in at once. That's how you yeah. end up with Leon. Well, the thing is, is you know. There are still veterans uh, out there. You know, they have a veteran goalkeeper. They have a veteran um, um, number six. They have uh, they have uh, veteran attackers, um, and so you know, it's not it's not it's not a complete uh, youth movement. And you know, at this point, um, you know, what what do you have to lose? You, you know, I mean, the team. I mean, is, the season's uh, the season's pretty garbage right now. But still, when the entire the back line is the team is, is in eleventh place in the West, you know, and um, they, uh, the only teams that have uh, worse records in the West than them are Seattle, who's playing in the CONCACAF Champions League final tonight. Well, Seattle's uh, got San like Jose. four games in hand on yeah. sporting. Like they've got one point less, but they've played like four less or three less games. So let's be care- be honest about and that. And the other two teams are San Jose and Vancouver. And, you know, um, you, yeah. I mean, you, like I said, you have nothing to lose, right? Yeah. I mean, you you gotta you gotta start making stuff happen, um, and uh, better better now than later. The thing is, if you can start changes now, you know uh, half half of these teams are making the playoffs. You know, so the playoffs are 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 attainable even if you you know spend a month or six weeks, um, you know, really bringing kids along and getting them you know sort of match fit and and experienced well but that's the thing that i wholeheartedly expect during those four to six weeks is that um zussi and ec will get to playing fitness and as soon as they are they're coming in the game right and i the the only way they're not is if the kids ball out and um and they're not losing they're winning games you know that's that's true that's what happens yeah and and to be fair i'm you know i'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth on that one because i don't want them all playing you know i i i just what i'm concerned about is that they could get housed against nycfc this week it could happen but you know, good good teams get housed against that team. I mean, you know, yeah. there's no there's no shame in getting housed by you know MLS Cup champions in uh, a city football group in 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 their you know shitty little matchbox stadium. Um, you know, those things happen. And 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 if you look at it a different way, it's uh, it's the perfect game to just kind of you know you have nothing to lose. You go out there and you just you know maybe try some stuff and you know it. I don't think I don't think Vermes will do that. I don't think that's really in his uh, in his DNA. But um, you know, there is a way of, of of viewing the game and viewing the season where you can kind of just already write this uh, game off and just go out there and and try and uh, try some new things and be competitive. Yeah, I, I I'm not in disagreement with you on this. I just hope that the coaching staff has the patience necessary and uses these situations as teaching moments to help develop the team because there are players and i said this before there are a lot of them are players they've invested in like um courtney ford was a free agent signing who you know from all i can sort of read between the lines about you know his comments on why he came to kansas city 
were he felt it was a good fit and P- Peter was the right coach for him and may have taken less money than he would have gotten elsewhere um, to come to KC. But the other guys are all, you know, you know, and Cam Duke, you've got a academy investment and all the time and mm-hmm. energy and, and building him up to what he is. And in the other guys, you've got, I mean, my, my, you know, reading and the, the reporting I've seen on it is sporting spent roughly $5 million in transfer fees on the three U 22 guys. Yep. The Sabusio so, money. Yeah. And, and it's good. It should be reinvested. And Vermees yeah, said absolutely. it would get reinvested in the team and you see it happening. I'm not sure they're going to get that full 11 million when Venezia gets relegated, but yeah, it's I see you see those things happening. You make investments in players like that. you got to, you got to handle them the right way. And so that that's all, I, that's all I'm worried about. And I just, I, I don't know that Vermees has necessarily the great, he has a spotted history when it comes to developing players. Yeah. That would be my, the, the way to say it. I don't think it's all bad or all good, but, there are there are bads in there and um i'm just hopeful that he uh he he's handling that stuff in the way that's positive for these players because we i can you can see like in robbie volader and logan and denbe the the potential in them yeah absolutely more more so than in some of those players in the past true Uh, and and that's you know that's that's a that's a tick in you know vermi's favor is it's not like most of those players are out there you know um, lighten things up once they leave here. Yeah, but there are a lot of ex-players um, playing in MLS that that are ex-Sporting uh, Kansas City players, and there are a lot of players who are depth pieces for other teams, really good teams that would be, you know, really nice to have as depth pieces for Sporting Kansas City. So, um, you know, just, there, there's one on on uh, NYC. You know, I mean, uh, Zalalem is there, and uh, he didn't work out here, and uh, he's plays on a fairly regular basis for them. So, you know, yeah, I, know I mean, that, I think all of, all of that, it's not, it's not like I'm pining for, uh, I'm pining for him. Gideon uh, that, he, and yeah. I, a regular basis is, is stretching it a little bit. He played a lot yeah. more when they were in champions league. I don't think he's playing that much now. He I think last that, weekend, but did he didn't start though? Yeah. Did he? No, he didn't start. Yeah. I don't think he's a starter at all. I don't know that Gideon Zalalem is a, an improvement over Felipe Hernandez. No, so, I would, I would, I would take Fernand. Uh, I would take Fernandez. Oh my gosh, I can't. I, Philly, it's, it's just not call like him, a difficult call, name. I, I call him Philly every they, every time. His I nickname know, is Philly, him, so just call him that. Him. Yeah. Okay, so he, I would take him over Zalalem any day of the week. So yeah, so I, I don't know that we're losing much in those circumstances, but yeah. I think it's instructive that some teams are better at getting the best out of those kinds of players than Sporting is. Uh, that's if there's anything that I'm sort of getting to here is there is a history of talented players not achieving their full potential with this club. And that is the part that concerns me. And it's, it's more related to the system. The system is the star. You do the things in the system. And if you fit the system's pieces, great. If you don't, you're probably not going to realize your potential here. Um, And that's, you know, sort of the long and short of it. I don't want to be like dour about it. I don't think it's bad. Like I said, Sporting's coming off by far their best performance of the year. Um, red card notwithstanding, they were very good all the way up until the red card as well. So I, I'm not upset about the performance. I'm a little bummed that the midfield is as useless as it is um, in attack, but I'm, you know, 
I'm fine with the performance. And we seem to have center backs who can deliver a ball beyond them. So whatever. Um, I think the I think the thing is, is that the, um, you know, the, the game, um, it's something it, it, it showed us that there are things to build upon, you know? Uh, so it doesn't look as grim as it did before. Um, um, and that, you know, they just, people need to keep in mind that it might look grim again after this weekend, because we're going up against a really good team in, uh, in a, a really challenging place to play. Uh, but that, that, you know, people should not read too much into the result of this weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm more looking for individual performances in this game Absolutely. than I am than I am necessarily the overall, especially because we're probably going to see the back line that we saw for you know 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. I'm excited. That that alone is, uh, you know, I mean, we're, you and I are nerds, so we like that seeing that stuff. But um, yeah, but not. I just I like the 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 dynamics that it offers. Cameron Duke is a completely different fullback than Zusi. And he's actually more aggressive defensively than Zusi is. He obviously runs all over the place. And um, he doesn't immediately look for a curling in ball. Right. He's he's yep. doing other stuff. And to his credit, uh, to his, you know, to his credit, he recognizes that's not a forte of his game. He actually said this week that he he that's the thing he needs to work on. He's like, if I'm going to play out there, I really got to work on delivering a ball from that position because it, it is needed in this system. But the fact that he's using he understands that and he plays to his strengths. I, not many 21 year olds will do that. They'll just do what the coach tells them. And yep. he was playing to his strengths and using them to his advantage, which you want to see. Absolutely. Okay. Um, CCL final tonight. It's a big fucking game, Cody. It is. I might actually stay up for it. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the Marshawn Lynch video for this? Yeah, I did. Okay. All right. <laughs> it was, it, it was I, I, honestly probably the best like MLS related promotional video I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he's uh, a but, but, but it's also because it's Marshawn Lynch. He's just great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll probably stay up for this one as well. I'm kind of hyped up about it. I know that, um, not everyone in the, uh, SKC sphere is the biggest fan of Seattle, but, um, I have a lot of respect for their organization and how they do things. Um, yeah, hard, it's hard not to, the, the, and the current, the current play tonight too. So they do, the they're about to, they're about to kick off here in a second. So challenge cup, uh, semifinal. Yeah. Um, it looks like more, yeah, a little more of a starting line of Kristen Hamilton's in there. Yeah, this is a little bit more like what you they, they kind of had a bit of a backup team, a little, sort of a defensive focus against Portland, and they got absolutely blasted. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, but they I, they're obviously resting folks for tonight. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's exciting, man. It is. It is. I, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to call it a playoff game like they are, but it, I mean, it's the semifinal <laughs> of a preseason tournament. But um, it it is good to see them doing well and having success yeah. after last season. I mean, they didn't get a win for what, like 11 games or something yeah, like that. It, so it was, it was a tower. <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty rough. Their, their coach, Matt Potter, is obviously good because the roster that's being played right now is not significantly different than last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the big additions, you know, being um, Sam, Sam Uis and um, Jesus, I'm losing my mind. Lynn Williams. Lynn Williams. Neither, um, neither they're both out. Time. Yeah. Like Lynn got hurt in what the third game of this tournament and is out for yeah. the season. Alan Polito style. 
And, uh, <laughs> and the, worst San- thing is, the worst thing is they're playing here in Kansas City tonight. And man, the weather here is terrible tonight. So it is like 50 degrees and raining. Maybe yeah. that'll be good. I, I, and North Carolina is a really good team. So, yeah, um, are. it'll be, it'll be, uh, hopefully good for them. So we've got a bunch of well, soccer balls uh, to watch. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap it up and watch some soccer, we'll watch some soccer. All right. Um, what are you? Okay. Quick prediction. Is Seattle going to break the streak? Yes. or no? Uh, yeah, I think so. You think so? I think so. I too. mean, honestly, two of my absolute favorite, favorite players. I'm no, I'm no fan of Seattle, but two of my absolute favorite MLS players play for that team. And, uh, Rui Diaz and, uh, John Paulo. And, um, I I'm rooting for them. I hope they do a great job. Yeah, I, I am too. I, both of those are players that I really enjoy as well. Um, yeah. Rudy as I call him MLS Thanos, like dude is inevitable. He's going to show <laughs> up. Him. He's going to show up so in the much. 18 and bang one home. Yeah. It's just how he is. He's just, he's, yeah. he's just inevitable. Um, and it's so fun too, because he is not a big dude. He is no, not at all. He's probably smaller than Dom Dwyer. And he is fierce though. He is. He is. He's a crazy player. He's fun to watch. And Joel Paulo, like if we all we love a good midfielder on this podcast, and he is fantastic. So all right. I, I agree. I think I think they outplayed Pumas in most of the match in Mexico yep. City. Yeah. So I think that they've got an opportunity here. So we'll see how it goes. All right. It's worth it's worth watching just for the the stadium's gonna be lit. It's gonna be so much fun to the atmosphere to, is gonna be insane. Yeah. Seattle brings the atmosphere. They're good at it, and it's yep. sold out sixty seven thousand plus. So it'll be good. I think they invented it, didn't they? They invented the atmosphere. They, I don't invented- think so. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Have you ever seen the camp now and on a on a <laughs> derby day? Like I don't know about. Oh, I that. thought I thought Seattle invented everything soccer in the United States. Well, they seem to think. Well, in the United States, maybe. Well, they certainly <laughs> seem to think so. Um. All right. All right. Have on that evening. note, yeah. Uh, until next time, he's Cody. I'm Drew. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Start to Start to Start to Start to